Whether it's someone runs a restaurant or is a doctor and has a practice, like the problems they face are the same. The things they're worried about are the same. I find that when you can see the commonalities between people, I find that really reassuring because it means that there are other people experiencing this and that there are solutions out there. Hi. I'm Nelson Murray, and this is Talking Squarely. In this series, we bring together independent business owners to have frank discussions and share their perspectives on some of the most pressing issues impacting their lives and livelihoods. 2020 was a year that changed the world. For many business owners, the pandemic brought overnight change and new operational challenges, to say the least. It also highlighted their resilience, empathy, and ingenuity, which became a focal point for this podcast. For the last episode of this first season, we're taking a look back at the series and these incredible conversations we've had with business owners. And to do that, we're talking with two of the producers of Talking Squarely, Cindy Lewis and Mallory Russell. Cindy, can you tell us a bit about Town Square and Talking Squarely? I am the editorial strategy lead here at Square, but I'm also the editor-in-chief of Town Square, which is our content hub. It's where we have a lot of educational content. We try to help sellers all the time with everything you could possibly imagine. Uh, Starting a business, running your business, growing your business, troubleshooting your business, especially this year. That's Cindy Lewis, the content strategy lead for Town Square, Square's content hub for business owners. To me, Talking Squarely is a medium for real business owners to come together and have really open, candid conversations about the things that they're living and experiencing every day. And that spans a lot of different areas. It's something as simple as, you know, tactical stuff like your finances, all the way through to staying motivated and doing good in the world. So soup to nuts, the emotional and tactical side of being a business owner. Supporting this goal is Mallory Russell, who heads up our content marketing team, which produces all of the editorial content you'll find on Town Square. We're the team that tells the stories of our sellers and helps educate people on on what it's like to run a business and how to do that well. We make solutions for every type of business, every size of business, and, and we partner with other companies to make sure that like, if you have the tools and the systems that make that run should be easy and save you time. Mallory, you mentioned the word sellers, and I think it's important to provide a little context here. At Square, when we talk about sellers, what we're actually referring to are the independent businesses that make up a lot of our customers. I think that's what's so interesting. I think because we label it that way, I think its intention is to put all of us in the right mindset of who we're talking to and ultimately like who we're providing solutions for. Like in my case, my solution is content and and help and things like that. But when you talk about a seller, you kind of already start to put yourself into their shoes. I think about what do they do in their day to day and what is their life like and why did they get into starting a business and what does it look like? And just feels very active as a label. Let's talk about how we started thinking about Talking Squarely and bringing this program to life. What were the ideas or events in our professional lives that led to the creation of this podcast? I think this project fit a number of needs that we had at the moment. I mean, one is that we've been thinking about doing a podcast for years and we had never come across the right idea, the idea that felt really, really authentic to the brand. As the pandemic hit, our social media team was working on ways to tell seller stories effectively. Uh, Now, we used to do that through video and photography, but we couldn't go shoot anyone. The idea was to talk to people and get some audio clips 
really raw, short audio clips with what people were experiencing. And as those started to come out, there was a great response to them. And I remember talking with Cindy and, and our head of brand and just saying, I like, I think this is where the podcast idea lives. Yeah, I agree. The way that it came about was super organic and natural. And it was because of the time. This was like right when the pandemic happened. And as a company, everyone just wants to help sellers all the time. So when something like this happens, and this was true even of hurricanes in the past or other kind of events that affected sellers so greatly, the company kind of comes together and everyone just wants to solve problems. They want to help. And in this case with COVID, it was really different because there wasn't a single silver bullet solution to the issues that business owners were facing. And then I think where it really came to life was just realizing that the only way we really could help sellers, in addition to the other things we were doing, which was providing things like guidance around like loans and stuff like that, was to just maybe give them more of a platform to talk. It felt emotional. It felt like everyone was really worried. And it was a really difficult position to be in because, yeah, you know, we want to help. And yes, creating content, you can definitely do that. You can help provide advice. You can help provide guidance. But when you are in something like a pandemic, that is just, it was so amorphous. There wasn't, no one knew what was going to happen tomorrow, much less you know, for a business owner, like how do you even respond to things when you don't even know what it is? You don't know what's happening. It's unavoidable. And and we certainly will talk a lot more about the impact that COVID and the pandemic in general have had on this project. But backing up a little bit to the decisions that led to the actual creation of a show like this, how did you end up coming up with these distilled ideas, these topics to center each of these episodes around, especially since you had no reference point? We were starting from scratch. It's so funny to try to look back on it now because it happened in real time. It came to shape into more shape over time. From the beginning, we did always know like we want it to be a panel of people. And that's intentional. Like it has to be because you need different voices, meaning like different perspectives. So we were casting people intentionally from different parts of the US because we also knew that everyone was experiencing things so differently because it really depended on not just the city, but maybe even like the street you lived on, how you were kind of going through things. The other thing that we were doing from the beginning was making sure even just like the types of business owners we wanted to bring together, they're all different. And in that way, people can hopefully just hear something in what other people are going through that maybe resonates with them. You guys were talking about the way that the show is structured, where we have a small panel of independent businesses, a diverse panel of independent businesses having a pretty open conversation that could turn into a pretty loose and unfocused show. It might be interesting, but that's not exactly the direction that you took. When you even repeat back the first three episodes, that is literally a snapshot in time. The first one being called What's Next, I mean, that was just a direct reflection of what we saw the community do on their own. All of them banding together. I remember we kept talking about things like social safety nets and things like that internally. And the same kind of instinct that we all had where we wanted to support sellers, it comes from this place of kindness. And that is something that I think that, that sellers, business owners, communities all over immediately started doing. You know, people started trying to figure out stuff like childcare, food, making sure people were okay, checking on your neighbors, mental health, like all of that stuff happened right away. 
I think those first couple episodes, those were easy to come up with because they really were just a reflection of the exact moment in time they were in and the things that were going on that felt the most timely. And so it was just a matter of like pulling our heads together and being like, okay, like it seems like these are common issues for people. Let's just prioritize them. And so the order that you now see of the episodes, we tried to also align with like, when would, when would this information maybe be the most relevant for people? It's a product of the time we're living in, but it's also, there's advice in, in here that is completely evergreen, which is, is really interesting to think about that this is being talked about in such an extraordinary time. But even listening, I've listened back to episodes and the advice that people are giving still holds true. That that part I'm, I'm really proud of and excited to see how that ages over time as well. I think it's, it's fair to say that we wanted to be very measured about how and when we focused on the pandemic, not at all just for the shelf life of this first season and wanting to make sure that the episodes resonated potentially months and years down the line. How did you think about ways to discuss the pandemic when we wanted the conversation to be focused on something else? We're not avoiding it. It's just that talking about it repeatedly isn't the helpful thing that needs to come from sellers to other sellers or business owners. What they really need to talk about and here is what are you going to do next? What is your tomorrow going to be? We've told a lot of pivoting stories because they're really helpful. They help people see what's possible. They help people see options, you know, for other things they can try. But especially lately, a lot of what we're trying to do is help people do the things that are going to really have that longer term impact because they're actually, some of them are kind of simple. And going back to the financial survival episode, that's a perfect example. Well, let's actually revisit some audio from that episode. Here's an excerpt from Evan Kadera from episode three. We had the flexibility to pivot that maybe some other businesses might not have. And, you know, so we are a food truck. We have six food trucks. And so we were able to move them into other communities where people were working from home now. And so I think like really that that changed kind of our operation. And I do feel like there is a lot of pressure to scale. I really agree that you have to kind of know what your, your goal is as a business owner. And so not to be pushed by those pressures to scale just because it's people are saying it around. You got to get bigger, bigger is better. You know, that's just that's not always the case. You know, I think really as business owners, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves why we are in business. And, um, you know, that's not that's not always money. Listening back to it, even in the edit, to hear what they were all bringing up was even though they were talking about how to survive at that time, everything that they were saying is exactly the kind of like really financially healthy mindset that you really should try to aim to have as a business owner all the time. I think this would be a great time for us to talk about some of the characters and conversations that stood out from this first season. Do either of you remember Lauren Stovall? She's the marketing director of Hot Sam's in Detroit, Michigan, which is a men's clothing store that's celebrating its 100th anniversary in 2021. I think she also potentially uses the title of a legacy enabler, which I think is very fitting. The thing I'll say about Lauren is that any and everything she talks about is so interesting and inspirational. And she just has a way of both giving advice and also kind of saying things that she isn't sure of in a way that, I don't know, it's just really inspiring. That's the only word I can think of is inspiring. We actually had Lauren on as a guest twice first in our financial survival episode, and then again to talk about Black businesses in America. She just has these things in a way of speaking that the words, they just make a lot of sense. Another moment like that was probably one of my favorite of the whole podcast was in the part two of Black businesses in America. And there was a whole a section of conversation where Lauren had brought up wanting and thinking that everyone needed to do a heart check. Let's listen to that clip from episode five. Talking Squarely About Black Business in America, Part 2. But what do you understand about the history of Black people in this country? 
and how it just stems from before you're having a black friend. But what is has been historically done in this country to black people, how have black people been viewed in this country? If we go back to history, we were literally viewed as three-fifths of a person, not even a whole person. So if you don't look at someone as a whole person, how do you think that you would treat them? And so I think it's so important that we do a heart check during this time. And, and I'm seeing a lot of people do that. I have so many friends, black and white, and of all different races doing heart checks now. And, and we're having hard conversations, uncomfortable conversations that we've never had before. But this has all came about during this time. Now, these are the implicit biases. Until you see someone as a whole human being, you may not treat them as a whole human being. During that time, that was when you know Black Lives Matter and all these protests were really you know, happening and it was all on television. And I think a lot of people were probably, if they hadn't experienced this before, taken aback by probably some of the anger and amount of hurt that they were probably seeing in real time. That statement that she's making, you know, I think everyone needs to do a heart check. I, I think she's right. It's, it comes down to, to love, love for people, love for humans. And I thought that was, again, a very simple, but very beautiful thing to say. And I love that. So that that's one that just sticks out for me. Does the name Killer Mike ring a bell for anyone? Oh my gosh, he's like a mogul. He does it all. He runs the barbershop, the swag shop. He is also, he said, the second half of Run the Jewels. And then obviously he's a pretty pivotal figure, I think, with the social justice conversation, but not even just that. He's been heavily involved in politics. He has such a point of view on business ownership because he himself is a business owner and, and started from the ground up. He's really invested in the idea of mentorship on all levels. And then he had a lot of strong opinions about the role of the community and in business ownership and specifically the Black community community and Black business ownership. Here's Killer Mike in his own words from episode four, talking squarely about Black business in America, part one. I'm watching my grandparents and watching local politicians and watching the state versus the city sometimes. I got an understanding the importance of entrepreneurship and money in my community and how my community was strong entrepreneurially, that, that it provided jobs for my community and provided um, greater stability and resources for the, for the wider community. I said, I need you guys to understand what I've learned from Atlanta is when Black communities and white communities set aside prejudice and bigotry, and they focused on being the strongest economic communities they can be. So the Atlanta community has been a successful black community in successive perspective because Atlanta has the, you know, number three Fortune 500 companies of any city in the country and Georgia's a state. Atlanta has had a long, prosperous black middle class and black working class. And with that said, we have the largest wealth gap, much like America. We mirror America in a lot of ways, right? There's something so compelling about the way he speaks and the way he explains his ideas that it felt like such an opportunity when we thought about it, like just to ask and see if he would do it. It felt like such a great opportunity to to let other people hear what, what we had been hearing. Totally agree. And he was remarkable to watch. And another very impressive guest is David Velasco, who runs a, a plant shop in San Francisco in the Mission. And we interviewed him on our special Unboxed episode, which was focused on the new realities of selling online. And David had a really interesting challenge ahead of him because he had just opened, I believe it was in March, he opened his brick and mortar, and it's a plant shop. He was really keen on creating a, a really immersive experience for customers beyond having a delightful place to learn about and touch and purchase plants. Here's David speaking in our Unboxed episode, talking squarely about the new realities of selling online. 
on our website, we have plan bios. We were building just kind of like, where does the plan come from? Besides of doing care tips, you know, how does the plan behave and how does it move? So we have little videos, animated things. Optimizing beautiful images for sure was a must. We had to have that. Mm -hmm. um, and being descriptive with what the product is because people is, it's a personal purchase. People want to be somewhere, uh, look at this, see how they feel about it and then purchase it. Social media is key for us. Well, actually it's 38% of our visitors come from a social media channel and then we have a big organic presence too sort of the grassroots kind of uh, marketing campaigns that we have done locally just being able to target our customers based on demographics such as age you know what they like if they're outdoorsy versus not if uh, they're into interior design or they're already into plants and they like that it's definitely has given us a step ahead with mm -hmm. our competitors and we've been able to cater uh, and craft a really good uh, marketing strategy Oh my gosh. I loved listening to him. He was just so sure. It just sounded like everything he said, I kind of found myself nodding to it. I was like, yeah, 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 that makes sense. And it's also funny to me because personally, I think what he was describing, like if I owned a business, I feel like that's what mine would be like too. <laughs> Another great episode and conversation and guest was Nicholas Pydick, who is one of the founders of a place called Foster Coffee. They have several locations in Michigan, but the one that we met him learning about was the one that he has in Flint. And Nicholas is another incredibly eloquent and passionate business owner. We also featured Nick and, and Foster Coffee in a short film that we made called Forged in Flint. So he's been a sort of a part of storytelling in, in for a couple of years now at Square. What are your thoughts about Foster Coffee and kind of what storytelling maybe represents in a place like Flint, Michigan? So we did this, this short film about Flint, Michigan and businesses there a couple of years ago, again, also on our YouTube page. It's a great a, a great piece about businesses in a, in a city that obviously has had a lot of challenges over the years and kind of their resiliency there and, and how they think about community and the role of business in that space. I know Nicholas had to do some, some pivots during COVID as well, but I think that that wasn't maybe something totally new for him overcoming that kind of, of of a challenge and so i think there's a nice continuation of his story in that episode what i'm struck by is like we get this great introduction to him in flint and why he opened up a shop in flint and now how he's guided his business through this and he has multiple locations and how he's continuing to learn and make sure that that place can still be a point of community here's an excerpt from episode 6 talking squarely about marketing safely Customers are, for every business, the lifeblood of, of what keeps us open. And so we've positioned ourselves as kind of a community sounding board. I've heard it said that, you know, kind of the window into a community are the bartenders, the baristas and the barbers, you know, they're, they're the ones hearing stories from people. And while you're standing there waiting for your drink to get made, we still get that face-to-face -face interaction because people are, are, are still coming in. But the tone we took is just really trying to bring the empathetic side to it, which isn't just, Hey, these are all the mandates or these are all the efforts that we're taking to protect you, but is to kind of shift that perspective and almost through the eyes of them. How has your experience changed, but not at the same time? Like there may be some differences of how you approach, how you order, but we're still bringing that foster experience. There's still more than a transactional. You pressed a couple buttons, um, ordered your drink and picked it up and, and went. How do we keep that humanistic approach with, with a mask? 
We've heard from so many small business owners about what it takes to keep their livelihoods going, especially in a year as tumultuous as 2020. Now that we've made it to 2021, what is it that we want to explore that we haven't yet? We really have barely scratched the surface as far as the multiple layers to running and owning a business for people from a people perspective, what it takes, your mindset. I really want to dig more, I think, in a season two, I think in some of the more emotional aspects of being a business owner. That's also coming from like a personal place, like what allows you to be creative when you have to kind of take care of yourself. And it's multifaceted too. Mental health means a lot of things. Mallory, how about you? Cindy and I talk about this stuff basically every day. So we're on definitely on the same, I'm on the same page there. I think particularly because this has been such a, a difficult year for everyone, understanding how people are getting through it and how deep they have to dig is a really interesting thing to think about. But the options for topics are are pretty endless. Running a small business, an independent business, it's so multifaceted. You know, someone could start a business because they love plants. And then they come in and they discover they have to be the head of marketing and the head of HR. And they now have to be an expert on finance. Like there's so many things we can help people with. And it's constantly changing. It's changing now more than ever because the consumer is changing and we have to, you know, businesses have to meet the consumer where they are. So I'm looking forward to, you know, sitting down with the team and doing some brainstorming. We have a lot to dig into there because the sellers brought up so many things in every conversation that we want to go back and revisit. We want to um, create more content, other ways to engage with it. There's just so much to talk about and it's, it's never going to end because it is always changing and there's just so much to learn. Here again is Lauren Stovall in conversation with Brittany Sarhaj from episode three. Hey, uh, we are still emerging. So in the grand scheme of things, um, and I think it's, that's a, a really point to, to remain teachable. And uh, we are, you know, still teachable. But that's why you've been around for so long. It's because you guys are like, you're willing and open to learn, you know, like, there's no way that you can be around for 100 years without changing things because things change all the time. That's wonderful, Brittany, that you're bringing because now you made me think of some tools, resiliency, persistence, having to suffer and endure that is a part of the process. And a lot of times we stray away from that. We don't want to endure. We don't want to suffer. And we turn around, we turn back. But we have been willing, to your point, to go through the enduring, to go through the suffering and get to the other side. Thank you to Cindy and Mallory for taking the time to share their perspectives on the creation and production of season one of Talking Squarely. And a very special thanks to all of our guests, the business owners that have taken the time to speak with us from all over the country. We featured clips from episode three, four, five, six, and seven. You can listen to the full episodes and the rest of the season on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to Talking Squarely, a square production. This episode was produced by Mallory Russell, Cindy Lewis, Kira Deutsch, Evan Grohl, Travis Gonzalez, and Camille Kale. Our music was composed by Jordan Wallace, with sound recording by Sorrentino Media and D.R. Baker. I'm Nelson Murray. Thanks for listening. The views and opinions expressed in Talking Squarely are those of our guests and do not reflect the official policy or position of Square.